0: Praise the Lord. I am excited. We are coming up on 10 years of ministry. Wow. Here at the Building Christian Fellowship, you guys, we are all about relationships. Amen. It's all about relationships. and Because we're all about relationships, we're not just regular relationships, but real relevant relationships. But it is necessary for us to protect our relationships and our Christian character. Amen. Necesitamos proteger nuestras relaciones y nuestro carácter cristiano. Amen. You guys, for the next few weeks, except for next week, I'm going to be preaching on a series. It's going to be pretty hard for some of us. It's going to be a hard pill to swallow. I'm going to start this week. Next week, we'll take a break because it's the anniversary we're going to celebrate. So I'm going to beat up on you today. We're going to heal next week. And then I'm going to go back to beating up on you again. Is it okay? I'm not beating you up. I'm just telling you the Word of God. And the problem is with us as Christians is a lot of times we like to pick and choose scriptures out of the Bible on which we want to use to make our lives convenient but I have been charged to preach the whole word, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help me God, and that I need to to preach this because we need to protect the relationships that God has given us, but not only that, we need to protect our Christian character. I hope you have a Christian character. Amen. I'm just asking. Some of us don't. Yes. Now, we're going to get some word. We're going to get in the word today, praise God, and and it's okay because, you know, it's the word of God, which is a sword, Amen. and you guys understand something that we think of a sword, but God doesn't use a sword to hack and slice, but a lot of times he uses a sword more like a scalpel. Amen. Amen. It's precision cutting, and sometimes when we have cancer, we have some, you know, that we don't want, that, that God will use the scalpel to remove, the word of God to remove those things off of our bodies and out of our lives, that which is killing us. Amen. So if you will, turn your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33. And I don't care what uh, translation you have today. You may have the new King James, the King James, the NIV, the the whatever, the ESPN. I don't know what (laughs) translation of the Bible you may have, but I just want to read from a few of them so that we can get a little clarity if that's okay. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33. Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. That was the New King James. I'm going to read another translation. Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Yep. Amen. Amen. Let me go with another one. Do not be deceived. Evil communication corrupts good manners. Amen. 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 I'm in. Amen. Amen. No se engañen las malas compañías corromumpien. I can't even say it. Corropen. Thank you. Gracias. Las buenas costumbres. You know what that says? Good, I mean, bad company corrupts good manners. No matter what translation you read from, no importe que traducción esté leyendo, fellowship with the wrong people can be devastating to your Christian character. La comunión con las personas equivocadas puede ser devastadora para su carácter cristiano. La Biblia dice que hay dos tipos de personas con las que no debamos. Tener communion. There are two types of people that the Bible warns us not to fellowship with. Numero uno, the first one, los no creyentes. Don't fellowship with non believers. Number two, el disobediente. Don't fellowship with the disobedient. Today, we're going to talk about number one. Non-believers. Now, I know what some of you guys are saying when I said don't fellowship with non-believers. Some of you guys are looking at me right now, and you're saying, Jesus, Pablo, Pedro, and Juan, Ferdinand, amigos del pecador. You're saying, but Jesus and Peter and Paul and even John were all friends to sinners. Everybody always says that. I'm going to clear up some definitions for you today. Amen? Amen. Amen. Mira, escucha. El mismo método. The the church has fallen victim to the same method of the original lie that the devil told Eve. I'm just about to help you all out. I'm not expecting too many amens this morning because I'm going to get you all thinking. How many people know that Jesus is a friend of sinners? Where in the Bible does it say that? Exactly. Turn to Genesis. Chapter 2, verse 16 and 17. We're going to break this down. Genesis 2, 16, 17. And it starts off. And the Lord God commanded the man. Who did he command? Who? He commanded the man, saying, of every tree of the garden, thou mayest eat freely. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. So God gave the man, Adam, some direction. Amen. So after God gave this direction to Adam, he looked at Adam and said, Adam, it's not good for you to be alone. Adam's like, I agree. So he says, Adam, don't put you to sleep. So Adam calls I mean, God calls Adam to go in his deep sleep. So he reaches inside of Adam, and he grabs his rib, and he pulls out a rib, and then from his rib he makes woman. And now we have Eve. Then we go on to Genesis chapter 3. And in Genesis chapter 3, we have Eve, and we see that Eve was hungry. Yeah. She's hungry. Hangry. You guys help me out here. Cuando uh, tengas hombre, comieras cualquier cosa. Hunger will have us do some weird stuff. Hunger will cause you to eat things you don't normally eat. Y'all don't look at me crazy. Okay, I'm going to prove it to you you guys ever watch a show called Naked and Afraid? No. no? Never seen it? Put it up there. Naked and Afraid. Now, first of all, don't judge me because of the title. Pastor watching Naked and Afraid. You looking at naked people. No, I'm not. So it comes on regular TV, all right? Comes on the Discovery Channel, Naked and Afraid. What do they do? They take a man and a woman and drop them off on some desert island or someplace out in the wilderness, naked and afraid. They naked and they afraid. They give them one tool. They got to survive for what is it? Twenty one days, okay? So you got to be like Adam and Eve out there, like right after you sin. You just out there. You just out there, right? So listen, listen, because we talking about eating. So I have watched this show continually. Let me, I'm going to ask you guys something. If I said, listen, right after service, everybody, we we're we're, we're going to feed everybody lunch. We're eating caterpillars and grubs. Not one of y'all going to stop and eat it. Okay, okay, okay. So here you have these people. They didn't give them any food. They got to forage for their food. They got to do everything themselves. I have seen on this show that people, they're fine the first three or four days. Come the fourth day when they get hungry, they start looking for things to eat, and they'll start eating stuff they've never ate before or normally whatever eat. I've even gone to see, how many people know some vegan people? Okay, there's some vegan people in here. Um We'll pray for you afterwards, but let me share something with you. I've seen on this show right right at the beginning where they're doing the interviews, the people got their clothes on, they're interviewing them, well, I'm a vegan, and, you know, I'll be able to to survive out here because I'm plant-based, and I would never kill anything because it just goes against nature, and Mother Nature wouldn't want me to do that, and it's not good for our bodies anyway for us to eat live things, and, you know, God originally made us to eat off the plant, and you're like, yeah, yeah, okay, right, whatever. After day six, when the ribs are showing... And the other person's out there killing frogs and cooking the frogs. They're like, do you hear that animal growling?" She's like, no, it's my stomach. You will see a vegan give up their vegan character to feed their hunger. They will eat meat. They will eat a grub. They will eat a lizard. They will eat something that was once alive. They'll be crying when they do it, but they'll do it. You guys following me? So we see that hunger will cause you to do a lot of crazy stuff. Amen. Amen. Now, el diablo siempre se muestra cuando está ambroso. It's funny that when you're hungry, the devil always shows up. Oh, dumb devil. When you're hungry, you see that Eve hungered. And who shows up? The devil. It's funny how when you're hungry, the devil always shows up. You guys, you guys, listen to this. You know, maybe you're dieting and you're trying to lose weight and it's late at night and you get hungry. Come on, and the devil shows up as the, disguised as a commercial. You know those burgers don't look like that at Carl's Jr.'s. Come on, man. I ain't never seen a potato chip commercial until late at night when I ain't supposed to be eating. Yeah, somebody said fasting. What about when you fast? fasting? The devil always, he everywhere. But we have Eve right here in the midst of the garden, hungry, and the serpent approaches Eve and begins to speak to her. Let me stop here just for a minute. Un momento. Esta de acuerdo. Would you agree? El diablo es mala campaña. Would you guys agree that the devil's bad company? You'd agree that. Would anybody here, if the devil showed up with his pitchfork in his tail and said, hey, let's go hang out, how many people would go hang out with him? Okay, so that's why, because he's bad company, right? Right. You guys can say yes. It's not a trick question. Okay, 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 okay. Well, this is the funny part, because this is where the devil shows up. The serpent shows up to Eve when she's hungry, and they begin to have a conversation. This is where he corrupts her good character. Maybe you don't remember the first scripture, right? Bad communication, bad character. When you are in fellowship with somebody that is bad, it will mess up your Christian character. Bad company corrupts good character. We have Eve who had a Christian character until she started talking to somebody that was bad company. Let's read about it. Genesis chapter 3, 1 through 5. It says this. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman. This is the devil speaking to Eve because she's hungry. Hungry. Probably hangry. And he said to the woman, it's funny because I just have to stop. How did he know she was hungry? Maybe because she was looking around for something to eat. He says, yea, hath God said, ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, ye shall not surely die. For God doth knoweth that in the day that you eat thereof, then your eyes shall be open, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. Can I just, just stop for a moment and just let me break a couple of things down here for a second. It, it, it seems to me that why was she keeping company with the serpent? And then he says, you know, hey, you can eat from anything. I want you guys to imagine something, okay? You have 10,000 fruit trees in front of you, and God said you can't eat of only one of them. As a side note, why are we so busy looking at what we can't have instead of what we do have? God said you can eat of any tree. And we know what she did. You know why we know what she did? Because here we are today. You know the rest of the story. I ain't got to finish it. That's why we're here. Eve. This ain't a sexist message. Because Eve kept company with the wrong person, it led to her to disobey God. Because she sat there and conversated. You guys, I'm trying to connect something with you here. If Eve was perfect, in paradise, and still was misled by the enemy, what makes you think you can sit down and have conversation with corrupt people and not disobey God? She was perfect. But here we are all messed up and think we can handle having conversations with people and have fellowship with non-believers and still be okay. I believe the reason why Eve was so convinced by the serpent misquoting of God's word is because her information was secondhand. You guys remember when I told you Genesis chapter 2, it said that God spoke to Adam. He spoke to the man. And then he turns around and guess you know, so so he speaks to the man. He tells the man in Genesis chapter 2. And then somewhere um, in Genesis chapter 3, Adam went and told Eve, hey, look, this is what God told me. Don't eat of that tree. How do I know? Because she added on to the text. You guys ever play the telephone game? I'll tell you something, then you tell the next person, tell the next. by the time he gets to the last person, it's a totally different message. See, God told Adam, don't eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Well, she repeated, when she repeated it to the devil, she says, the Lord told us that we're not supposed to eat of the tree or touch it. So she put a little two on the ten, ten on the two. Is that what it is? 210. You guys know what I'm talking about. She added to it. She put sauce on it. Somebody gets slapped, it's like, man, he got beat down. He only got slapped. <laughs> you you guys know what I'm saying? So she added something to it. Secondhand information. Guess what, saints of God? One of the reasons why all of us in here are being fooled and misled is because we depend upon secondhand information. Look, the word that I know that I got, I got from God Himself. And you guys sit here and wait to hear it from the man of God, from the preacher, and then you walk away, never reading your your Bible to find out to see if what I said was so. Secondhand information, and then you want to add to it. That's what's wrong with the church today. It's why we got so many different doctrines and things that are going on because nobody wants to read the Word of God for themselves. Yeah. My job as a pastor is to ignite in you the Word of God, so that you will go home and study it. Yeah. Yeah. But Eve herself just decided just to listen to Adam. Thank, you. Thank you. Hey, Adam, you so I love you. You are so good. What God say? Do you know according to Genesis chapter three? that she could have asked God herself. She had access to God the same way Adam did. Why? How do I know this? Because it says that she was with Adam when they walked with God during the cool of the day. She said, God, listen, I love my husband so much, but let me just make this clear. Did you say that we're not supposed to eat or touch it? And the Lord God would have told her, I tell you not to eat it. See, and when God tells you something... It becomes alive. It, it, it stays in your heart. When man tells you something, it's in your head. Right. Right. See, when you, it's in your head, you think about it. When it's in your heart, you do it. Yeah. 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 Got to get away from secondhand information. The devil knows that's what we depend upon. That's why so many of us are so are social media all the time. You'll, you'll see part of a story and run with it. It's like, it's like reading one scripture and trying to get a picture of Christ. Oh, oh. The Word of God is like a connect the dots. Guys, follow me on this. The Bible is a picture of Jesus. Scripture by scripture, line upon line, precept upon precept, it all paints a beautiful picture of Jesus, and sometimes we'll take one scripture, one dot, and think that we can get a picture of who Christ is. That's what we do all the time. That's not, that's not how you see Jesus. I got to take one scripture, go to the next scripture, then go to the next scripture, and connect the dot, connect the dot, connect the dot, connect the dot, and after I take years of connecting the dot, I will then begin to see the picture of who Christ is. But instead, we, just want to, we think we want to know one thing. We'll say one scripture and run with it. The devil uses the word and distorts it to get a hungry person to compromise. The, devil, the devil's cunning. You know, he said it's subtle. When we read that, he said he, the serpent was more subtle than any other creature. Watch this, saints. You guys know a mosquito's Subtle. How many people hear dragonflies? Sound like a hel- helicopter. <laughs> funny thing about it is you hear them, but they're harmless. They're not subtle. But a mosquito, and when they land on you, land on you so gently. The funny part is you don't. Most of the time, you don't even feel them stinging you. To be honest. Most of us don't realize we were bitten until after it flies away. We don't even notice, and that's the problem because they're subtle. That's how the enemy does. We don't even realize that we've been tricked until he's gone away. He's already come, distorted everything, and now we're irritated. Just like a mosquito. The devil will take God's word. He'll use his word. The same way he did to Eve, and he'll distort it. He'll say it differently to fool you. He looks at, he looks, he says, he says, Thou shall not, God said this, thou shalt surely die. The devil said, Ye shall not surely die. And put a question mark after it. See, he says it in a question to get you to question the word of God. He see, that's the whole thing. He don't want you to read the word, he wants you to question it. Because if you question it, then your faith goes out the door. And if you don't have faith, it's impossible to please God. So funny. Let me me just say a couple of scriptures or things that people say. You don't have to go to church. We are the church. It's just a building where two or three are gathered. God is present. You don't have to go to a church. Right? We're taking one scripture and we run with it. No, yeah, just one little dot. I put a dot, you don't know what it's going to become. And that's what we do. But see, people will say that, and then somebody comes back and says, yeah, but doesn't the Bible say, uh, Hebrews chapter 10, 25, forsake not the fellowship of yourselves? Doesn't it say in Acts where they went every day and they broke bread together communing, and then they went into the temple together, so they were at each other's homes in small groups and going to the church? I mean, it does say that in the Bible. Let's connect these. So when we come together in God's name to come celebrate him, that, yes, he's he's in the midst, but when we're in small groups at home, he's there too. Oh. See, saints, listen, listen, and I know what you're saying. I asked you, is Jesus a friend of sinners? And everybody's like, yes, (laughs) praise God. Oh, Hallelujah. Yes, he is. He was my friend. In a righteous way, Jesus was a friend to sinners. Our 21st century definition of a friend is not biblical. This is what we think a friend is. We think a friend is a ride or die. They're going to be there. Anytime something goes down, I can call on my friend. I can count on my homeboy. If if, if I'm mad, my friend's going to be mad with me. If I'm fighting, my friend's going to fight. No matter if I'm right or wrong, my friend's going to be there with me. He's going to ride with me. No matter if I'm uh, um, broke, my friend's going to hold me down. My friend has my back. While this sounds good, that's not the kind of friend Jesus is. The Bible says he's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. But we use a worldly mindset of what a friend is. See, Jesus is this type of friend. A true friend will tell you the truth whether it hurts or not. A true friend will encourage you to do right even when you're being done wrong. A true friend will point, uh, will point you out to trust God and not to trust your flesh. A true friend will tell you to repent and walk in the way of the Lord. The Bible never said that Jesus was a friend to sinners. Never said he was a friend to sinners. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 19, we see the enemies of Jesus called him a friend to the publicans or the tax collectors, and Jesus repeated it to indicate their view of him. All he was doing was saying what somebody else had said about him to try to make him look bad, and he was repeating it to the apostles. But yet we took one scripture, misread it, didn't look at it, but above it or below it, and took that and ran with it and tried to paint a picture with one dot. Let me ask you something. If I put a dot on a, in a frame and I go, this is a picture of my home. <laughs> it's a beautiful five-bedroom house. It's 3,000 square feet. It sits on a quarter-acre lot, and it's just a dot. You would look at me like I'm crazy. But when people come and tell you what one scripture says, you want to take it, believe it, and run with it. Wow. You ain't even got the full picture. As I said earlier, we are not to have fellowship. Somebody say fellowship. fellowship. We are not to have fellowship with non-believers. Yeah. Fellowship, friendship. Fellowship, friendship. The building Christian? Fellowship. It ain't the building Christian friendship. That word fellowship is much more deeper than friendship. When the Bible refers to fellowship, it means to have an intense Communion and deep intimacy with the person. Communion profunda, intensa y intima. When we fellowship, we're pouring into each other, pouring into each other's lives. I'm giving to you and you're giving to me what we need to grow in the knowledge and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. It says, grow in grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. See, when somebody is of like mind, if we're going the same direction, we're both believers, we can commune together because we're pouring into each other. And as we pour into each other, we are growing in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Here's a perfect picture, um, our perfect scripture and picture of what fellowship looks like. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 16. It says, from whom the whole body joined, knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. This is a perfect picture of fellowship. My hand is in fellowship with my arm. My arm helps my hand do what the head tells it to do. My hand's connected to my arm. My arm's connected to my shoulder, and the shoulder bone's connected to the... Okay. I'm just trying to see if y'all was awake. But listen, we are the body of Christ, and we are made up of many members. And we are made, because we're made up of many members, each member has to work together. We fellowship. My body's in fellowship with itself, and my mind, my head is Jesus Christ. The head of the body of Christ is Jesus. When Jesus gives it an order, my body, because it's working in fellowship, can move. When I work out, it's helping me grow. Even though I may be working my chest, my arms got to help my chest out and see my chest is going to grow and my arms get bigger. Can I get an amen, Antoine? Just make your chest bounce. That's all you got to do. Praise God. I always do. John Random Butcher. Hey. Listen, Jesus doesn't want us to fellowship. He doesn't want us joined, he doesn't want us knit together with non-believers because it doesn't cause growth for you or the body of Christ. If we continue in fellowship with non-believers, if we continue to have intense communion and deep inti- intimacy with non-believers, we will eventually end up receiving their faith of not believing. Why? Cuz faith cometh by and hearing the word of God. If faith cometh by hearing, don't you think fear comes the same way? Now listen, I'm just going to share this with you if you guys know this or not. What you pour into your ears most of the time is what's going to build you up or tear you down. There is no middle area. Now listen, I like secular music like other people, but I love gospel music, but if I I could just tell a difference, I'm just going to be transparent with you. I can tell a difference if I'm listening to a lot of secular music. You guys know what secular music? Worldly music, non-Christian music. I can tell a difference in my spirit if I'm listening to too much junk. It just I can tell. Why? Because it's tearing me down. There's only one or two things you're doing. Either you're going up or you're going down. This elevator doesn't stop. It's com- it's it's a perpetual motion. Either you're going up or you're coming down. So what what I do is I want to be able to hear the right things. When you're in fellowship, With people that are non believers, they're not talking about Christ and how good God is. They're not talking about prayer. They're talking about their earthly situations, their earthly problems. Why? Because their mind isn't set on things above, their mind is set on things on the earth. Say to God, I'm just going to be honest with you. One of the reasons why I don't even argue or entertain Jehovah's Witnesses when they come to my door. That's why the Bible says, don't, it says avoid foolish babbling and arguments. Some of us in here just want to be right. It ain't about you being right. It's the word of God. Why do I got to defend the Bible? It's the truth. I'm just going to give it to you. If you receive it, praise God. If you don't, I'm going to shake the dust off my feet. I don't need to argue with you about Jesus. People come to my door. Man, I'll be looking at them and say, look, man, I'm a pastor. I love the Lord. I believe in the Holy Ghost. I believe in Jesus Christ. He's my Lord. He's my God. Thank you. Goodbye. And I don't even say God bless you because the Bible tells me not to. Don't give them your blessing. Don't, Don't cast your pearl before swine. Well, Pastor, why are you talking? Those are people too. God loves God loves the world. That's what the Bible says. He loves the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whomsoever shall believe in him shall not die, but they'll have everlasting life. Yeah, he loves the world. It's not a sin issue. He loves all of us. It's a relationship issue. Their relationship with Christ is jacked up. Not no problem. I got a friend one time. Watch this. I got a friend. Don't laugh. Try not to laugh. Try not to laugh. This is how serious he is about it. He had a Jehovah's Witness come to his door. It was two men and a little boy. Because you know sometimes they're trying to train up their kids how to knock on doors. Right. <laughs> hey, come on, let me show you how to knock on the door. They knocked on my friend's door. Now, my friend, he's a zealot. I'm sorry. He's just he's like a man's man. Knocked on the door, he looks, as soon as he opens the door, they're standing there. And they, you know, ask him to hand it. He goes, You're going to hell! The kids start. little kids started crying. (laughs) So some of y'all are like, (laughs) oh, oh, poor little kid. Let me help you guys out. It's better that I pull on a kid and dislocate his shoulder than let him get hit by the car that's coming down the street. He'll get over it. I'm sorry that I hurt you for now, but guess what? You're going to (laughs) live. You didn't catch that. See, so many times we're so worried about hurting people's feelings. With the gospel that they're going to end up dying anyway. Don't pull on them; you might break their arm. They'll start crying. <laughs> you might offend somebody. I hope I offend you with the word. That's the point. When I sit down and tell you you're a sinner and you're going to hell, you better be offended. I know I was offended. My sister Jackie used to come in the house all the time, and she'd just be crying. Be like, I'm like, what's wrong with you? John, you, I'm afraid. I'm afraid. I'm afraid for you. I'd be like, man, stop. Why are you saying that? I'm a good person. <laughs> <laughs> and my sister Jackie, she'd come in speaking in tongues, well, I'd but I'd cut out a- This is a true story. When I seen Jackie come, I'd be in the window. I see her coming in the house. i go out the back door because she would say something to me that would offend me. But she was more concerned about my eternal life than my feelings. Sound like a friend to me? Sound like a friend to you? What kind of friend are you if you don't tell me that I'm, I'm heading the wrong direction? You ain't my friend. So, you guys are saying, well, Pastor, you're saying I shouldn't fellowship with non believers? No, don't fellowship with non believers. What the scripture says, that's what he says. Jesus said, don't fellowship with non believers. And right now, even now, even though I said it earlier and cleared up what I was saying, some of you are sitting down like, I don't know about that one, Pastor. I said, fellowship, friendship, fellowship. Friendship—they're two different things. Should you be a friend to non-believers? Yes, in a biblical way. Listen—if you were out here over by the railroad tracks and you see somebody and they're walking down the railroad tracks and the train's coming, perfect stranger, would you get up and, and rush and try to tell them or get them off the railroad tracks? Would you do that? You wouldn't tell them—you just sit there and watch them get hit. Tamina, I just gonna call your name out. I'm messing with that name. You guys would tell them, right? You're you're their friend. That's a friend. You tell somebody that they're in danger. Okay, the next day you come back, you see them. Same person. (laughs) Playing on the tracks. (laughs) Would you tell them the second day? Would you tell them the second day? Yeah, Yeah. you're their friend. Exactly. You would tell them. You might not be so nice. You might talk to them like there's something wrong with them. <laughs> right? Then why can't we be friends enough to tell those people that are non believers that they are headed to hell if they don't repent? If we don't tell them that they are headed the wrong direction, what kind of friends are we? You are in danger of dying twice. You guys understand dying twice means? Is it pointed unto a man? What? To die, once you're born and then once to die, and then judgment. Christians, we will only die once, and that's from this earth. Non-believers will die from this earth and then be, will perish in everlasting torment. We can't be friends enough to non-believers to tell them. What kind of friend are you? As I bring this to a close, I know for some of you in here, this is a difficult pill to swallow. But we have to be resolute about what the Bible is teaching us. Jesus said, the words that I speak are spirit and life. When He speaks, he's giving us his spirit. He moves by his spirit. that's why it gives us life. that I could read the whole word. Look, there's some people that you've known for years, have been friends that are non-believers. I, I, I could literally tell you and I told my wife this I have a very good friend that is a non-believer. He helped me out through some of the toughest times in my life. I'd never turn my back on him. But you better believe I always say something about Jesus when I talk to him. Because I love him. I love him. I got friends. I got friends that are out in the world that they know how, they know where I stand. So when they see me, they know what I'm going to talk about. Some of them just don't invite me to places anymore. Because I'll go anywhere. I'm not afraid of anything. But they know when I get there what my conversation is going to be. Yeah, we can talk about the basketball game, but I'm always finding a, a loophole about, oh, oh, curry. Oh, the three. Oh, that's just how Jesus came to save the world the last couple of seconds. He came back, back step. I'm always looking to talk about Jesus. I'll connect anything. When I was in the military, you guys, listen. When I first gave my life to Christ, there was a bunch of people that would make fun of me because I came, I literally became this from this, this thug to like super safe. Yeah. <laughs> Cause I'm about that. That's just, I'm about it. I, before I gave my life to Christ, when this dude prophesied to me, he said this to me. He said, man, he, he prophesied, said some things and looked at me and goes, are you ready to receive the Lord? Are you ready to give your life to Christ? I was like, nope, I ain't ready because I know when I do, I'm going I'm be, I'm going to be all in. Nothing left, nothing behind putting it all in. And I'm not ready to do that yet. He says, okay, I hope you do it before it's too late. So when I did, I dove in head first. And because I'm sitting, you know, I'm trying to read Scripture, uh, and I'm I'm trying to talk like Christians. It's it's like how I kind of talk like Spanish right now, you know, kind of broken. I was was speaking broken Christianese (laughs) at times. So people were making fun of me. And you need Jesus and all that stuff. But it's funny how the same people that want to make fun of you are the same people that call you when tragedy hits. People send me, they, they don't want to have nothing to do with church, don't want to have nothing to do with your God. And then all of a sudden, chaos hits them and they're like, do you think you can say a prayer for me? Can you talk to your God for me? I had one guy that used to dog me all the time. He used to dog me all the We used to go out together. And he used to dog me all the time but, you know, because people deploy and we get back from battles and stuff like that. Sometimes you have some things going on, some mental issues, PTSD and all that other stuff. And they put them on the fifth floor of Walter Reed Hospital, which is the psych ward. And while I was up there, I get a phone call. They're like, a sergeant butcher uh, we need you to go upstairs. There's a dude up there who wants to see you. I get up there, it's him. Out his mind. Out his mind. But even when he was out of his mind, He knew that there was somebody that he knew that could get a hold of somebody to help him in his situation. And guess what I did? I didn't go up there going, ha-ha, I told you so. I went up there with compassion. Grabbed his hands. It's was like, amen. We prayed. Gave him some scriptures. It, It got scary, to be honest with you, because I would start sharing some scriptures with him. And he would finish him. It's demonic. It was real demonic. I was like, oh, okay. But I remember looking at him and I said, listen, man, the same peace that you're feeling when I come and show up, because I'm bringing the Prince of Peace with me when I come here is the same peace you can have when I leave. You just got to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. I didn't see that guy anymore. I don't know what happened to him. Just a couple weeks ago, maybe a couple months ago, I found him on Facebook. He's a believer yeah he is a believer because I was his friend. I was his friend and say to God there's people around you right now that you have refused to tell them about Jesus. You need to tell them. Listen, living a life of Christian, you tell, when people say, well, you know, man, I like to do this, I like to do this, and you'd be like, oh, that's okay. God knows your heart. He knows your heart is desperately wicked. That's why Jesus came and died for us. Bad company corrupts godly character. Listen, saints, God told us not to be, have fellowship. This doesn't mean to, to, that we turn up our noses and ignore unbelievers. The Bible says, let your light so shine before men that they will see your good works, which will glorify your Father in heaven. I say that because so many of us are at this point and the devil will twist that word and they're like, look, don't say nothing because the Bible tells you in Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, let your light so shine. So just act like a Christian around them and you never got to say anything. One dot. You know what the saying goes with that? It's like this. I will preach the gospel and only use words when necessary. That sounds deep, doesn't it? That's deep. I've heard people say it. It's like, that doesn't make sense. You said you'll preach the gospel. The word preach means to proclaim. It means to shout, to stand like on a rock up above and proclaim the goodness of Jesus Christ. That's what preaching is. So how can you preach with a closed mouth? What I'm supposed to do is tell them about Jesus, then let my light so shine And then you go on to what it says in the book in James chapter 5. It says, the effectual fervent prayers of the righteous as much power. So here's the combination where it says all things work together for good. All things, all these things will work together for good. So what I'll do is I'll tell them about Jesus. I'll show them Jesus in my life. And then I'm going to shower it with prayer. That they will come to know the saving grace of Jesus Christ. Listen, there's nothing wrong with building quality friendships with unbelievers. But the primary focus of such relationships should be to win them to Christ by sharing the gospel with them and demonstrating God's saving power in our own lives. Saints of God, stay away from the toxic relationships. Toxic fellowships. God wants you not to fellowship with unbelievers. Be their friend, but in a biblical way. Amen? Amen. Stand to your feet. Praise the Lord. I'm about to be your friend right now. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, he is the man that I was just preaching about. The one that will give you eternal life. Now, I'm here to let you know, this is not about repeating a script. Because anybody can get up here and say anything. It's about making a conscious decision. One, knowing that I'm a wretch without Jesus Christ. It means to turn from your old ways and turn towards Christ. We got to stop thinking about what we're losing and think about what we're getting. And so many people are like, man, but I got to give this up. I got to give this up. No, it's, man, I get this. I get that. I get life and life more abundantly. I get the family of God. I get repentance. There's no condemnation. There's no more shame. There's power, authority. God is waiting on you. He already came, and he's asking, will you come to him? That's all the time we have for this episode of the Annex Podcast. But we encourage you to get connected with us by downloading and using our TBCF app today. Or you can visit our website at tbcf.life. That's tbcf.life. Until next time, thanks for stopping by to the Annex Podcast.